0: This is the last in the series, Kingdom Worldview, and as is now tradition, Colin's already mentioned it, about uh, worldview, is a glasses that we have essentially ended up wearing because of either our our background or our experiences or whatever has happened to us in life, which means that's the way we look at the world, and as far as we are concerned, that's what the world is. Even though everybody's going, "You're, you're wearing a pair of glasses there, mate, it's for for the person, that's reality. Uh, and that's fueled uh, by subjectivity, the soul and, it's, and the mind, the will, and the emotions. Uh, so it's our thoughts, it's our position, it's our feelings, and that produces a false positive reality or a false negative reality depending on what you're seeing when you're looking through the glasses. Okay? So what this series has all been about is the invitation application of a kingdom worldview and a kingdom culture to get the true positive or true negative reality, basically to get your glasses of subjectivity off and away. And how we get that off is we see the simple, objective, absolute truth and get rid of the subjectivity, the lies and the deception, which often comes from our world, ourselves or Satan. And the destination, uh, like all the questions you ask from the front of a church, uh, is all about Jesus. We want to become more like Jesus. We want to experience His freedom and the fullness that He offers. In Ephesians four eleven to 13, it says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body may be built up, Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature, attaining to the whole stature of the measure and fullness of Jesus Christ. So, like this church, like this series, it's always on to something. We're called Destination Church. Right? We're on to something. And what we're on to is to be more like Jesus Christ. And that's the invitation. We want to become more like him. So, in this series, we have also said some things uh, that may, for some of us, felt a little bit difficult and a little bit awkward. We preach and teach out of the call, the compulsion, and the conviction of what the Spirit is asking us to do. And we do it in exercising the principle of Romans 8, verse 1, which is there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So, uh, today, I hope to bring the sword of the Spirit— And it's not to kill you, but it is to help you die. Okay? So, uh, what is pride? The dictionary definition of pride. A feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements, the achievements of one's close associates, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. You could sum it up in a a shorter phrase than that, which is, it's all about me. It's all about me. The number one present of 2014, apparently, was the selfie stick. If that's not an indication of maybe where we are as a society, I I don't know. And we've all experienced, let's be honest, okay, let's be completely transparent at the start. We've all experienced situations where, when we look back on it, it's, And the older you get and the further you go on the journey and you look back to see what you used to think or what you used to say or what you used to believe about things, oh, just like cringeworthy, cringeworthy. And uh, if we got in a room and started to trade stories, we would be, oh, that's really... Mark Twain, a little bit more eloquent than myself and others, said when he was 17, he thought his father was an idiot and he was surprised by the age of 21 how much his father had learned in four years. Okay, so let's get that off the table straight away that we, we all experience pride. Okay, we, we've all been there, done that, got the t-shirt. What this is about is heading towards uh, Jesus and getting the pride removed so that we can be more like him. It originated in Satan. Ezekiel 28, verse 7, talking about the king of Tyre, but scholars all are uh, together and agreeing that it refers to, to Satan. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. Isaiah fourteen thirteen to 14 said with reference to Satan. You say to yourself, I'll climb to heaven. I'll set my throne over the stars of God. I'll run the assembly of angels that meets on sacred mountain Zaphon. I'll climb to the top of the clouds. I'll take over as king of the universe. And we know the story, God threw him out of heaven, and he and his followers then are uh, moving in in the the realm of of the, the world and reproduced His pride in the garden of evil. The garden of Eden, didn't step there, Garden of Eden, resulting in man's sin and his separation from God. So in Genesis three, verses three to six in the message it says, The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said. Don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the the woman, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. Throwing it right there. Well, she bite. You'll be just like God. Know everything, ranging all the way from good to evil. Verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she had know everything, she took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband, and he ate. And the rest, as they say, is history. Pride is further funded and resourced By worldview, the Western worldview of enlightenment, humanism, man is the chief created being, or shouldn't, can't even say created. They wouldn't even say created being is the chief being on the face of the earth. Has the knowledge, has the understanding, science and education. We're it, and we know. Further funded by religious evangelical worldview. We know the Bible. We know God. Therefore, we know we know what's right. We know what's wrong. We know how it works. Parochial worldview. Are we country? No surrender. Chucky Arla. Double siege mentality two communities both think of themselves as minorities living side by side cannot under any circumstances let our pride feel. Our pride goes down. We we get pushed into the sea. Pride. What is the kingdom worldview of pride? It can be summed up in four words. God opposes the proud. God Opposes the proud. Proverbs 3.34 and is quoted in James 4.6 and 1 Peter 5.5 says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God is opposed to the proud and haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. It's in the Amplified. Pride has been the undoing of nations. Leviticus twenty six, eighteen to twenty says, If after all this you will not listen to me, I will punish you for your sins seven times over. I will break down your stubborn pride and make the sky above you like iron and the ground beneath you like bronze, your strength will be spent in vain, because your soil will not yield its crops, nor will the trees of your land yield their fruit. Pride resulted in the bringing down of kings. If you want a story, Second Chronicles 26, verse 16. But after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. And the story is that he went into the temple with the censor to light and to worship God, only the place for the Levites Uh, the the priests, and they came about 40 of them to challenge the king and the king uh, ranted and raved about why couldn't he get into the temple and as he was ranting and raving leprosy broke out on his forehead and uh, the the people were were shocked and uh, and and the the priests uh, ushered him out and he realized what was happening he was ushered out and it said at the end of that story, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died he lived in a separate house leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. Those exalted and puffed up by pride will be brought down. Proverbs 16, 18, the message says, First pride, then the Christ, the bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Pride causes blindness in those that are deceived by it. You just can't see what you can't see, which is the genius of deception. You just don't know that you don't know and you don't see. Psalm 10.4 says, In his pride the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts there is no room for God. And pride and humility are polar opposites. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, Boiling up with an arrogant attitude and of self-importance, then come dishonor and shame. But with the humble, the teachable, who have been chiseled by trial and who have learned to walk humbly with God, there is wisdom and soundness of mind. Soundness of mind. Ooh, have we heard that before in the last number of weeks? Soundness of mind. There's that over and over and over again. This kingdom worldview is about getting rid of your glasses that cause you fear, that cause you to move back into John 10, 10a where the evil one says he has come to kill and to steal and destroy, get rid of the glasses so that we can step in the invitation of Jesus Christ for a life and life in all its fullness. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride and sense of self-importance Will bring him down. But he who has a humble spirit will obtain honour. Could God be resisting us? Could, could, could God be like, could God be resisting me? Could we actually have our specs on about that and, and be missing the fact that my life, what I'm doing, my attitude, how I'm behaving is actually being resisted by God? Because it's an expression of pride. What is humility? The dictionary, the world's definition of humility. The quality of having a modest or low view of one's importance. You could sum that up by, it's not about me. So if pride is, it's all about me, then humility is, it's not about me. And humility is often about, uh, brought about by the action of being humbled. I had a little sort of taste today by Colin. Uh, you, you hear that phrase, it keeps you humble. So just uh, for a cringeworthy story, I'm in Japan. I'm supposed to be doing a conference with Dennis. The conference is canceled. I don't have a ticket that you can change the date. I have to spend four days with a bunch of Japanese people. Day three and a half, they say, Do you want to come to the paths, the baths? I said, Sure, yeah, it's fine, because I uh, try to follow the apostolic principle, which is you eat whatever's put in front of you and you do whatever they ask you to do. So I go into the baths, they pay my ticket, thanks very much. I walk into the teaching room, I go, oh, They're pretty free around here, like yourself. So. <laughs> And uh, I was given a a little piece of material, which is like a face cloth about this side. And as I'm putting my stuff into my locker, it's, (laughs) no, no, it's a public bath and every person has a little piece of material and that's all I have, right? I know, but it gets worse. So I, unlike the vast majority of people in the Far East, have quite a lot of body hair, right? So, not only am I absolutely dying because I am butt naked, people are going, What the heck is that that's just walked into our baths? Humbled. And you go, Ah, oh, we're going to laugh about that, right? Here's one not to laugh at. So, I asked God for a sign, very short story, maybe you hear it another time. Uh, the sign was fulfilled when I popped two legs into my knee in a freak accident a few uh, hours later was off work for three months and because it was in a full length plaster couldn't have a shower couldn't really have a bath we only had a corner bath and the family voted as to when it was time for dad to have a bath because it was getting a bit whiffy Uh, so I had to put my leg up over the bath and hold on because I couldn't do it any other way as my wife washed me down I know and uh, one day that was happening and a voice in my head went, and this is what's happened to the great Andrew Montgomery. I never really recovered from that. Never really recovered. What is the kingdom worldview of humility? Humility is to be prized. And pursued the reward of humility, that is, having a realistic view of one's importance. This is Proverbs 22 4. And the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. John 10 10 A. Uh, if you've got Philippines, John 10 10 B, thank you, Pastor. Uh, uh, if you have a Bible there, Philippines 2 verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And like so much of, of what we talk about uh, regarding questions and answers or about the models, the model of humility is Jesus Christ. It goes on in that uh, chapter, uh, verse 5 in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset. Ah, mindset. Ah, that's the sound mind thing coming up again. That's thoughts and keeping them captive, et etc. et Had the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Unlike Satan, although he wasn't actually equal with God, he was a created being, but he still felt in pride that he could take him on. Rather, he made himself nothing. He chose, Jesus Christ chose to say, it's not about me. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The ultimate humility. Service to the point of death for the others. A choice in denying oneself. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, the kingdom worldview humility has three parts denying self, submitting to God, and serving others. Denying self, submitting to God, and serving others. It's not about me. It's all about him and the service of others. It's not about me. It's all about him and the service of others. Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. The cross is an instrument of death. He says, take up your cross, take up your instrument of death and die. As I was studying this, there is a shocking specks off revelation of this kingdom worldview regarding pride and humility. And I say this not in condemnation, I say this exercising Ephesians 4:15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, Jesus Christ, onto the destination, Jesus Christ. So I speak truth and love onto the destination of fullness in Christ. When we serve others, as we're instructed to do, funded by our need to please, what others might say, uh, how we can be accepted, and other various reasons, That is essentially about us. When we're stuck in our pain and our guilt and our depression and our difficulties, and in no way I am even suggesting that uh, uh, or, or belittling what has happened to us or what we have done to produce that in us, but if we're stuck in that, then that is fundamentally about us. We are de- not denying ourselves because it's about us. It's about our agenda. If we're dead to self, we don't resp- respond. Jesus says in Matthew 11, 28 to 30, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my is easy and my burden is light. If our agenda for personal need and corporate service is because it's about us, that is pride, may be inverted, it may be distorted, but it's nonetheless pride. It's about us. When our personal needs so dominate us, in our thinking and actions, that we are, uh, we are effectively setting up our agenda above the action and victory of Jesus Christ, what he did to set us free from John 1010 a and the, the strategy of Satan, the kill, steal, and destroy into John 1010 10b so that we don't have to be in our dank, dismal, dark prison cell locked there with his influence all around us when the door is wide open because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's, that's, you can't put a mirror up to Jesus Christ and, and, and you and see that there's similarity or me and see that similar, there's similarity. That is not humility. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, we are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing then sets itself up against the true knowledge of God and we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. We've got ditch, we got to ditch the proud thing. We've got to not focus on self, and we must have eyes to see the deception and get those specks off because we are looking after our own interests. But the promise is John 10.10, be and life in all its fullness. Okay, finally, I'm going to talk to you about Peter. Right? The biblical example, journey, instruction of Peter. Peter was most definitely a man of pride. How do we know that? Matthew 16. Incredible context. Jesus is saying, Hey, disciples, who do they say that I am? And the disciples go, Well, some people say you're Jeremiah, some people say you're John uh, the Baptist, some people say you're Elijah, some people say you're uh, an Old Testament prophet. Jesus says, Peter, you say that I am. Peter goes, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus Christ goes, flesh and blood have not shown you this, but the revelation of uh, heaven has shown you this, right? That's in verse uh, 16. Verse 18, he goes on to say, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, The rock being the revelation that he is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. On this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not come against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Verse 21, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. He reveals God's agenda. What does Peter do? Peter, verse 22, Peter took Jesus Christ to the side and began to rebuke him. Peter who has just had a revelation that he's a Messiah, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, has just rebuked the Messiah. That that is pride. Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Now, all of us that have experienced the blockhead phenomenon of uh, Prague know that sometimes we'll have to go around the mountain a bit or we'll have to bang our head against the wall or we'll have to be humble a few more times until the penny finally drops. Well, Peter didn't really quite get it. So if we fast-forward a little bit, ten chapters on to Matthew 26, uh, the day where Jesus is arrested, the day that he is crucified, uh, he comes out with these words, "'Even if all fall away on account of you, "'I never will.'" Pride, 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 pride. Verse 34. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And by the end of the chapter, when he denied him for the third time, it says in verse 74: Immediately a rooster crowed. Verse 75, then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Toast. Toast. As his pride went down and he was humbled before the Messiah. But Peter, as well as being a man of pride uh, and a man who was certainly humbled, was also a man who was restored. John 21 He was asked three questions by by Jesus uh, to uh, counteract Jesus' three denials, or or Peter's three denials. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? He said, I I love you. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 18, he said to Peter, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Pride. All about me. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, "Follow me." It's all about him and serve, service to others. It was no longer about Peter. It was all about his Lord and Master and the call that the Messiah had given Peter to go and feed his sheep and build the church. And Peter became the man of humility. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Tie on the servant's apron for God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats him, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Set aside self-righteous pride so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. He lived it. He lived it, Nathan. And I finish with this. What if, what if we chose to get naked. Rather than, rather than be humiliated in our nakedness, I actually chose you know what? I'm going to give this stuff up. What if we went, you know what? I'm going to give up my stuff and I'm just going to come before you and I'm going to go it's not about me. It's all about you. Have your way. What would happen if we bent our knee to the Messiah what would happen if we got out of the way and let him use us as he is called to use us so that we can build a church on the revelation of the rock that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that we can have the keys of the kingdom and we can do things with the power and the authority that he gives us to change our lives and to change people's lives. What would the world see in this church? What if we actually became what it says in the Ten? What if we actually became destination people—people people of a kingdom worldview, people of a, a kingdom culture, where it's not about us? It's really not about us. We're past current. We're just we're just standing there, and we're going to let Him use us to do whatever He wants to do in us. What if we lived? this message series? What if we, instead of being people of death, we were actually people of life? What about if we were rather than, we're not people of fear, we're actually people of faith? What if we're not people of pride and pride, but we're people of humility? What if we're people of plenty and no longer people of poverty, spiritual, physical, emotional, mental? You stand with me, please. If you want to humble yourself, if you want to give up your stuff, if you want to say, I'm done with this, I really encourage you to come. The call to be manifest in your life to be a destination disciple. Someone that gets a new revelation of the Messiah of what he wants to do in you and through you. Please, come and join me at the front. This is a place of transparency, of safety, of love and the presence of he who will come to your pride. Raise you up in your humility and minister and equip you for the way on we're going to worship